this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. You. Well, yeah, I'll just invite the youth care gang up. Corey, Kristen, and uh, you may be familiar with this guy. Yeah. Mitch, all right, come on up. Um, now, what I'll do is uh, we'll just share the mic around. We'll have a little bit of an interview sort of style in an awkward standing fashion, and we'll try and address the whole crowd. This is new for me. I love it. I love the, the circle action. I just don't want... People to see my bad side, so I'm just going to keep... Oh, oh thanks. Um, yeah, we'll just want to thank you so much for having us because uh, it really does mean a lot uh, that we partner in the gospel uh, on the ground in our local communities, in our schools, that kind of thing. Uh, Corey here is one of our peer support chaplains in Armadale, which is great. Uh, if you don't get to chat with him after the service... Uh, Definitely let me know if you want to speak to him. Maybe he shares something that you don't want to hear and then you don't want to talk to him ever again. But no, Corey's great and he sort of helps support the chaplaincy work specifically in Armidale. Uh, Kristen has, is a long-term chaplain, but she's just started in Clifton Hills in Armidale um, Primary School. So that's a, a great place uh, for uh, the church if they want to get involved. Uh, you guys want to get involved in um, local work there. And we've got Mitch here, who's uh, he's actually out of area, as you may know. He's, he's, he's up in Churchlands uh, Senior High, but uh, definitely does some excellent work there. And I guess across the state, youth care is um, providing chaplains in schools and that kind of thing. So I guess we'll start it off. Corey, um, would you be able to tell us a little bit about how chaplains support schools um, and your involvement in that? Uh, yeah, so I prepared a little something that I was going to share earlier, so I might stick with that first and then circle back to the question, but um, often, <laughs> give me the mic and I'll go for it. Um, often, you know, we ask, our, we ask our children, our youth, our students, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I had the same question asked of me and I had the same question I asked of myself. And, uh, you know, someone said to me, yeah, what, do, what do I do when I grow up? And they said, oh, you know, if you can't do, you should teach. And I went, oh, yeah, okay. And if you can't teach, teach phys ed. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and I wound up being a chaplain. So um, every day I get to sort of wear a different hat. And as uh, Tim and, and the gang here can attest to, is uh, no two days are the same. Um, one day we might be slinging out sandwiches and toasties and another we might be sitting in the depths of grief and loss of a loved one or... Um, a serious health condition and so our conversations can be pretty varied and we have to be very dynamic. Uh, at the same time we're not there to proselytise which is a, a big word pretty much just says we're not baptising kids in the drink fountains. Um, <laughs> so yeah, cover the question maybe? Yeah, yeah that's it, covers the question. There, there should be a slide just to, um, that will basically outline some of the stats um, of what's happening uh, in the schools. But yeah, I guess how many chaplains are here um, and who do, who do you work with specifically like in our area? So I've got it written down. Uh, I think this one's a snapshot of the same one that we have. So yeah, we have 23 chaplains across 18 schools. I have the privilege of uh, working closely with Kristen and several other uh, lovely ladies. Um, 
who have all been in the position much longer than I have. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's sort of the snapshot here. I think the corridor that I cover, uh, I'm at Kelmscott Senior High School. I'm not sure if that was mentioned, but the corridor that I cover would be uh, sort of from the Armadale Senior High area all the way down to uh, probably as left as Chalice, I think. I tend to forget who, who schools where, as we've got a number of chaplains at school at uh, multiple sites. Um, and you've obviously mentioned a few uh, ways that you support the school. In general, how, does, how do chaplains support the school in, in what ways? Mm. You know, I think we're there to, uh, to really be the hands and feet of, of Jesus. You know, as cliche as that sounds, and, um, you know, we sort of maybe overuse that expression and, and are a bit inoculated to it. We're there to really reflect that love and not only reflect it but refract it into areas of which students, teachers and parents can understand and feel it, you know, so making some real, um, real change, you know, living, living that gospel, not just talking about it, but actually demonstrating it with action and deed. Yeah. Um, and if you guys want to just keep flying through those slides, so that's, yeah, that's obviously a bit of a slide of just some of the different things that happen. Um, and Kristen, now over to you, why did you decide to become a chaplain and uh, how's that going for you? Cool. Well, um, I've been in the education system since I was like this big. I never really left. I just went back in once I finished year 12. I ended up becoming an EA immediately and joining back straight into the education system. So that was pretty great. It was kind of like a big kid but bigger than everyone else and in different clothes. But that was kind of cool. Um, and I, I was doing that for about 10 years um, and over those 10 years, I was kind of like, look, I like helping, you know, I was working with um, high schoolers. I like helping them in their education, but there's so much more to these people than just education. Um, I'm a bit of a homeschooler fan, okay, don't shoot me. But, um, and so I was kind of like in the education system, working at the school and going, these kids need more than just this. Like, I want to love on these kids more. I want to help them more. You know, kids are coming in and they can't focus on their work because they've got other problems going on at home. And so um, I suppose I was, I jumped into some um, youth work and I thought that might help me fulfil this desire I have to help these young people. Um, I did that for about a year and then I was actually up in Geraldton at the time and I had a friend up there who, that year she kept going, hey Kristen, chaplaincy, chaplaincy, in my ear. Six months later I'm meeting with her manager. Six months after that I've got my first position as a chaplain. So um, that was up in Geraldton and Calbarry so I was doing the distance between the two um, and then I moved back to Perth and so I've had a couple of different schools here but I'm really excited. I'm about to start at um, Clifton Hills on Wednesday so if you keep me in your prayers for Wednesday that'd be great <laughs> um, but I'm really looking forward to it. I just love how we can um, help the young people through their day. You know, you've got that kid who doesn't want to come into school, the parents dragging it in, you know, the parents really struggling with it. And you can come along and you can just put a smile on that kid's face, you know, take them in, play a bit of a game, give them hot chocolate or make some breakfast, whatever it is. And then, and then for some reason, you know, God, you know, gives you this power and you can just, you know, love on that kid and then they're actually ready to learn for that day, you know. Um, so I don't know, I just love that part about it. You know, I think, yeah, God's really put the desire on my heart to help kids in this way. And I'm just really blessed that youth care can provide us a way to do that. So, yeah, yeah it's amazing. And uh, Mitch, over to you. Um, is there a story or a moment where you've, you've 
um, just seen God at work, um, seen um, perhaps life's transformed or something that uh, you sort of cherishes um, in your time as chaplaincy? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think what I want to say first is whilst I am in an affluent area, there is a lot of need. Um, you know, talking to kids, mental health, is, as we all know, has been crazy um, with COVID and all that. So whilst I am in an affluent school, um, one of the biggest schools in the state, I believe, um, I am very, very busy. Um, but I think one of the... A couple of things... If I if I can share, um, I've had a young a young fella in year twelve, who has really struggled with mental health, and it was a lot of nearly hour long conversations about you know how you build resiliency, how you develop healthy coping strategies, and um, he came to me at the end of term two, after I'd been chatting with him for you know at least six to eight months, and he um he actually said that he, after school, he wants to do what I do. He wants to become a, a youth worker, but without the religious stuff, which is just great. I think that's amazing. And so I've really helped him to be able to look at what TAFE course he needs um, to be able to, you know, help someone else. Um, and I'm all for that, pay it forward. You know, I help you, you help someone else. So um, being in that space and having that ability to chat with him and, and just help him on his journey has been amazing. Um, and one of the other things I do, I'm a drummer, as you have, if you haven't worked out, you know, it's, I was there just not that long ago. Um, so I run a program called Drumbeat, which is all about using um, music to develop resiliency and um, build social skills and all that stuff. So um, we usually sit in a circle and we have jumbo drums and we just, you know, talk about relationships and, and identity. Um, and through that, so many God conversations. And it's not God as in, you know, Jesus loves you type conversations. It's more life conversations because I think the one calling I have is not to necessarily shove the Bible down people's throat, but actually just show Jesus through what I do and show Jesus through love and just doing stuff for people, you know, giving people food, giving my time. Um, so I think, yeah, that's probably... Um, I, I absolutely love what I do, and um, Youth Care is the elite agency for chaplaincy. Well, you heard it. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. Word of mouth. Don't let that leave the building. Um, well, I, yeah, I mean... I think we can all probably really appreciate and respect and honour the work that these guys do, and they do it um, out of the strength in which God provides. And I'm I'm so grateful for each of these um, these incredible people, um, and also youth care. So youth care is a part of um, we do a lot of chaplaincy. That's a big part of what we do. But youth care also started out of uh, Christian values education or Christian religious education back in the day. And that's another huge part of what we do at Youth Care. And that's essentially volunteers uh, spending half an hour a week or so going into schools. Sometimes it's called in-class CVE, Christian Values Education, where you um, do a class with a class. It's an opt-in thing. And other times it's called Treasure Hunters, and it's actually out of class on a, um, in a break time, maybe a recess or a lunch time, that kind of thing. But the craziest thing about this is... Um, we've just developed this, this new curriculum called Everyday Matters 
and the Department of Education are just saying, look, we really want you to roll this out in, school, in our public schools, which is unbelievable that, that the department's really putting their stamp on it and saying, this aligns with our 12 values as a department that we want to see in our schools, and, um, you know, if you can roll it out. And the question we're having at the moment with, at Youth Care is, how do we get the volunteers, how do we get the people to roll this out? Um, and so could you be praying for that, thinking about that as well? Um, pray for our chaplains. Pray for also this great opportunity for religious values education in our schools because, crazily enough, they obviously it's an opt-in service, but people are actually hungry and wanting it. And um, so that's pretty cool. Um, well, that's it from us, but what we'll do is... Uh, we will play a little video so that you get to know there's a number of chaplains on the video sharing uh, short little snippets of what they do, why they're a chaplain, and how we can be praying for them. So if you would be able to look to the screen, and uh, we'll step I became a chaplain because I think it's important to offer students what I never had but always needed. I am a chaplain because I love supporting young people. Like, God's called me into this space. It wasn't something that I ever planned to do. Um, but now that I'm here, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a chaplain because I wanted to make a difference in children's lives. I had lots of friends talk about chaplaincy and that's when I thought I'd look into it and since stepping into it have realised it's kind of a bit my calling, it's what I love doing. I am a chaplain because when I was younger I had gone through some personal stuff and this was during my time in primary school and I had a chaplain that I was able to sit with and they were able to listen to me. I think the biggest challenge, especially working in this area, has been um, the amount of need. Yeah, but that's definitely, I'd say, the biggest challenge is just when you feel like you can't help anymore and you can see they need more help. Um, definitely food. It's breakfast programs at both schools are very popular um, and I'm always trying to feed students whenever I can. Um, obviously family issues, so I'm supporting a lot of students with stuff that's going on at home. We have got a lot of families who are needing support at the moment. Some of our families live in caravans, other families don't have food on the table for their children. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to um, intersect and, and to meet the needs of, of our school community. There's so much anxiety in the kids. Challenges that we see daily here at Kelmscott would be uh, children looking to seek um, just their felt needs, so shelter, food, water. Just pray for wisdom and just uh, ears to hear what God is saying to me at the moment. Getting through to some of the kids, uh, the Cecil Andrews kids are really hard to break through. There's a lot of barriers in place, um, a lot of cultural things that really can hinder it. Um, it'd be really great if the church could pray for our school and me in particular, um, just to ensure that the opportunities as they arise and as God pushes them toward me that I recognise them. For the Holy Spirit to drop into me creative ways of helping the children. Yeah, I'd love um, the churches to be more involved, to be a presence with me in the school and we can work together um, in a school environment providing some love and support to our students. Practically speaking, we'd love to have churches more involved in, in our school community. Um... I became a chaplain because I think it's important to offer students what I never had but always needed. 
I am a chaplain because I there you have it. Um, and I want to like say as well, into this space, it wasn't something that I ever planned to do. Particularly um, but now that I'm here, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a chaplain because I wanted to make a difference in children's lives. I had lots of friends talk about uh, the principal speaks and highly of look um, into this it church and as a church that they consider phenomenal. I am a chaplain because when I was younger, I had gone through some personal stuff and. This Thank was during so my time in primary school, and I had a chaplain that I was able to sit with, and they were able to listen to me. Well, before I think we the biggest challenge, word, especially um, working in this area, has been um, the amount of about need. Um, yeah, I'm Tim, and I'm married to Kelsey, like can't help anymore, and we have and three boys, Petrarca, um, Oliver food. and Maxie Gorn. It's breakfast programs no, we don't have... Very popular. They um, wish they were Petrarca, Oliver and Maxie um, Gorn. They're, they're mad Melbourne so Demons supporters and I've been consoling them this weekend because we have got we a lot of families Friday and who are needing really support sad. at the moment. We're Some of our families live in so, caravans, um, other families yeah, don't, don't have food us. on the table um, for their children. Sometimes but, it's just not uh, enough hours in the day I have to, Judah, Asher um, and Zion, those are the boys. Uh, we started off with two of the tribes, we got to two and thought... So Let's much just finish it, go straight for the Holy Hill, the, 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 the end, 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 end resort and just go with, um, go with Zion and finish it. But um, we are, um, have been blessed to be a part of Christian ministry for about 14 years, uh, both in Melbourne, in Perth and in overseas in different capacities. And, um, a lot of I've just had a huge heart for people and I um, uh, really want to see really great how I can best serve people. So currently doing that through the area at Youth Care um, and that working for the welfare of people uh, in, from Thornley down to Armadale. Uh, so the Holy Spirit that's to drop about 36 in schools creative and ways uh, that's of helping a whole the children. Lot of yeah, I'd love a whole um, lot of the churches to be more of, involved, to be a presence um, with me in the school and we can work together area, um, so. in a school and so thank you so much some uh, for yeah, having me and having practically speaking we'd love to have so I guess before we do that should we pray community Father, thank you so much for the fact that we get to... I became a chaplain because I think it's important... Not only sit in to offer rows, but sit in a circle had, and uh, gather around your word. Love supporting and I pray that like ultimately the words that I share space. would not... It wasn't something um, that I ever planned to do, um, but now that I'm here, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a chaplain because I wanted to make a difference in children's lives. I had lots of friends talk about chaplaincy and that's when I thought I'd look in into it name. and since Amen. stepping into it have realised this. One of the things that I thought I'd just really quickly mention is I am a chaplain because Mitch when I was, was really younger, self-conscious about being the only one wearing a badge. So I put my, my badge on in solidarity and, and then the guy takes his off and doesn't and put it back on. They were able to listen to now me. here I am I out hanging. I think the biggest challenge, especially working in this area, has been the amount of It's very white and shiny, so I'm wondering whether you actually wear that badge. No, anyway. When you feel like you can't help anymore and... Do you ever wonder what God is doing? It's breakfast programs wonder sometimes where is God um, at work? How is he at work? Uh, recently um, I was on a conversation with my dad so I'm and he began sharing about how his life had home. gone from bad to worse. We have got a lot of families who are being supported at the moment. Some of our families live in caravans, other families don't have food on the table for their dad. children. He's sometimes there's just trouble with um, hours in the day um, to 
quite isolated and alone. He There's doesn't so have any friends and he's moved Selling around from place to place and people have ripped him off in business and he finds himself to in a really um, just terrible so situation. Shelter, food, water. Just and me, wisdom, in my infinite just, wisdom, uh, in my you know, great experience of pastoral care and all of that, I take a deep breath and I go, well, Dad, you know, in hard times, you know, things are really bad. Can hinder it. You can still take um, comfort really that God loves you. If the church could pray there was a for long our pause and, and silence on the phone. Um, just to ensure and then, that the opportunities uh, as they arise responded and as God with Tim, I don't them toward know me, but how I recognize God them. For the Holy me, Spirit to drop into me creative um, ways of helping the children. Of, yeah, I'd love um, the churches to be more involved, well, to be a presence with me in the school. And we can work together in a school. Environment, but I left asking the question love myself, like, to our students. practically speaking, we'd love to have churches more involved in, in our school community. Why are bad things happening? And then in the context of this interstage right, Jeremiah 29, to offer students as the passage will spend some what time I never in. had, but always needed. But as this I'm great, I you know, there's this great promise for people. I know the like plans I have for you. Plans space. It wasn't something that I ever planned plans to do, um, but harm. now that I'm here, I would and have now some people the use this verse I'm a chaplain because I wanted say, you know, to make God a difference in children's lives. Healthy, wealthy, I've had lots and happy. And God wants you to be, you know, free from all of the issues and suffering and all of those kinds of things. I am a chaplain because when I was younger, I had gone through some personal stuff. Maybe not true of our This was during my time in primary school. And I had a chaplain that I was able to sit with and they were able to listen to me. I think the biggest challenge, especially working in this area, has been the amount of need. Yeah, but that's definitely I'd say the biggest challenge. That's the exact opposite of what you feel like you can't help anymore and you can see they need more help. Um, it teaches food. us that we will have it's breakfast programs pain. at both schools are very popular. Um, and it I'm teaches us that our faith isn't something that's going to make um, our life suffering free. So I'm supporting a lot of students with stuff that's going on at suffering. home. We have got a lot of families who side. are needing support at the moment. Some of our families that live in caravans, other families don't have food on the table for their children. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to intersect and to meet the needs of, of our doing. school community. There's so Even much anxiety in the kids. Don't. Challenges that we see daily here at Kelmscott. Would so be this morning I believe this passage is going to give us one um, and instruction so shelter, and two food, water. just pray for wisdom and just uh, but before we understand the instruction and the promise we have to look at the context of, the of which this passage is written really into so if you have your bibles place, um, there should it should flip um, up on the screen that really and we'll, we'll just read um, the first three really verses of jeremiah 29 and see what god has to say um, just to ensure that Verse one, the opportunity these are the words of the letter God that Jeremiah the prophet sent me that I from Jerusalem the Holy to the surviving to elders me, creative of the ways of helping and to the, the children and prophets yeah, love, um, and all the, the people to be more involved who Nebuchadnezzar me in the had taken and we can into work exile together, um, from Jerusalem to Babylon. Providing some love this was after King Jeconiah and the Queen Mother, the eunuchs and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had I became a chaplain because I think it's Jerusalem. important to offer The letter was sent 
by the hand had, of Elisa, the son of Shafin and Gomoriah, like God's the, called me the son into the space. Jokar, it wasn't something that I ever Zedekiah, planned to do, um, but now that I'm here, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a chaplain because I wanted to make a difference in children's so lives. I had lots of friends talk about chaplaincy, and, that's, and I thought oh, I'd look into it. A time since stepping where the into people it, of Judah had lost their corporate my calling. It's what I love doing. I am a chaplain because when I was younger, I had gone through some personal Their stuff walls, and this was during my time in primary school and I had a chaplain that I was able to sit beaten, with and they were able to listen to me. I think the biggest challenge, especially the working in this area, has been um, the, the amount of need. Between them yeah, and God, it was the place where they met with God was shattered. When in you other, feel like in you other can't words, help anymore, their relationship with God see they need more help. shambles. Um, definitely it's, food. It's a mess. It's breakfast programs at both schools are very popular. Then you've got um, and I'm people who are scattered all over the place. Um, but not only scattered, because some people so stayed in Jerusalem, going on others home. were taken We have got a lot of families who are needing support at the moment. Some um, of our families live in caravans, other families don't have food on the table for their children. There. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to, as we read, to the surviving intersect and, and to meet the needs was, of, of our school community. People are so now reeling from the trauma of what has just happened. People are grieving the loss of the Looking sheer devastation um, just of what is going on so in shelter, food, this water. time. Just pray for wisdom and just uh, ears to hear we what God is saying to me at the moment. Of Getting through some you know, of the kids. We are uh, the people. Are really this hard is not to supposed break to happen. There's a lot of barriers of the in place. You know? um, we had this picture, you know, we come out of Egypt into the promised land and that's where we stay forever. We thought that's what was promised. Where's our God? Why are we here? The when will as they this arise end? And God Much like them my dad, that I, I imagine for the Holy Spirit um, to drop into me creative ways of helping the children. Yeah, I'd love um, the churches to, to be more involved, to be a presence with me this in the school, is, and we can work picture. together um, in a school environment, providing some love hard. and support. To our and it's not too dissimilar speaking, we'd about love to have churches from what we've been talking about in, in uh, through chaplaincy. We have communities of people who are wrestling through I became through a chaplain trauma, because I think it's important grief, to offer students through the what I never had, the but crimes, always needed. I am a chaplain because I these love supporting young people. Like God's called me and into this space. It wasn't something that I ever planned to do, day in, um, but day now that I'm here, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a chaplain because I wanted to make a difference in children's lives. I had lots of friends talk about chaplaincy, and that's when I thought oh, I'd I guess look into it. Them, and since stepping into it, I've realised. Imagine people even I'm making movies about what I this love stuff. doing. I am a chaplain because when I was younger, I had gone through some personal stuff, right and this was during my time in primary school. And I had a chaplain that I, I was able to sit with, and they were able to listen to me. God I think speaks. the biggest challenge, especially working in and this area, has been um, first, the amount I mean, of need. Yeah, but that's definitely, I'd say, the biggest challenge is just four when you feel like you can't help anymore and be you can see normal. they need more help. Um, definitely food. It's breakfast programs at both schools are very popular, um, and I'm always trying to feed students whenever I can. Um, obviously, Thus family says the issues. Lord of hosts, so I'm supporting the God the of Israel to all the exiles 
We have got a lot of families who are needing support at the moment. Some of our families live in caravans, other families don't have food on the table for their children. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. That they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply them. Do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the um, city where I have so sent you into exile and pray to the just Lord on its behalf and just, uh, for in its welfare hear what God is you will find at the moment. Getting through some of the kids. Uh, the Cecil Andrews kids are really hard. To wow, talk about provocative, right? Um, that is something that else. I mean, Jeremiah, get a grip. Um, be really um, you know, God, can you be serious? Everything in this situation is not normal and you're sort of just telling us to go about business as normal? You're telling us just to do um, what normal people do? And it's tempting to believe that what is happening for God's people is happening outside of God's will, outside of God's control. But notice he, the words constantly coming back is, you know, I brought you into exile. I did this. I did this. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe he was the vessel that God used, but it, it's God's plan at work. So perhaps you're not exiles taken into captivity, but you are missionaries sent on a purpose, sent with a purpose, sent with a mission. So what are you to do? Be normal. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Sometimes Christians fit in when they should stand out, and they stand out when they should fit in. And this is a time and a moment in history where God's saying to his people, fit in, go about the normal rhythms of life, integrate into the life and the world that is around you. Don't think of an escape plan right now. Don't look at you know, how you can exit stage left. Don't spend the time thinking about having one foot in one camp and another foot in another camp. But he's saying... Let's just settle, become established. Building houses, planting gardens, and then reaping produce takes time. And so Jeremiah makes a good case for us, living in this moment, of what we should be doing. We are not home. This is not, this is not our final state right now and here, but what should we be doing? We should be integrating with the life of our community, working in the community. We should be thinking about the sports clubs, the community life, the leadership roles that possibly we could be occupying in this area. And then verse 6 speaks of you know, marriage and multiplying and growing. I mean, the young people in the house say, yeah. Um, you know, the classic business of the church, hatch, match, and dispatch, right? Um, and, you know, as you think about this passage, you think about this community is, is um, the community of God is a part of this bigger city, and bigger cities are made up of healthy family units. Perhaps one of the best or the most important things that we can do as Christians is develop a healthy family culture in our family unit. 
as parents, how are you going with depositing and investing in the lives of your children? To use the, uh, I guess, the metaphor or the analogy of, of gardens, uh, how are you weeding uh, your family from these um, things, these um, harmful things driving disconnection and bitterness in your family? How are you pruning your family in such a way that's going to cultivate it for healthy growth and not hampered growth where energy is spent in, um, in worldly pursuits? How are you watering and fertilising the garden bed to provide this nurturing, intimate, connected relationship with your children and your spouse and your family? So Jeremiah, and God speaks through Jeremiah and says, be normal, but different. How different? Work for the welfare of the city. You know, love your enemies by seeking their good. This is not normal. This is everything but normal, right? Um, and what's pictured here is not just some weird um, form of Stockholm Syndrome, right? You know, like they fall in love with their captors kind of thing. It's... It means that despite all the things that your enemy has done, God still loves them. They are still made in the image of God with value and worth. This is one of the only times that the Old Testament directly references to be um, to act on the benevolence of people, your enemies. Normally it's eye for eye, tooth for tooth, it's kind of like that, but... This passage contains traces of what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44, where he says, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And what are we to do? Work for their welfare. What does that word welfare mean? It means the shalom of God. What does shalom mean? It's this sense of this all-encompassing peace. It, it, It means completeness. It means order, stability, health, safety, contentment, harmony. Like all of those words have different pictures that probably you start thinking about and you start realizing, wow, this shalom word is very, very all-encompassing. But you can almost hear the people say, right, how can we work for their shalom? We're in shambles. Like this whole place is just a mess. You know, you've taken us away from everything that we thought was our shalom, and now we've got to work for theirs. How can we help others flourishing when we're not flourishing ourselves? We've been taken away from our nation state. We have no king. We have no army. Uh, we have no national borders. And we have no temple. It's fascinating. Uh, sometimes... I get into that. I get into that sort of mindset of how can I possibly help others when I'm not perfect myself? When I don't have perhaps everything that I need to be right with myself. And maybe I just need to go about creating my life to be perfect before then I can start helping other people. But in a sense, there's these two things happening. Whilst they're in turmoil, they're still called to be a blessing. And it's almost as if God takes away all of these things that his people felt they needed or required to be 
healthy, to be flourishing. But he's taking them away and saying, look, I'm going to show you all you need to be healthy, to be fulfilled. And perhaps sometimes we hold on to things that we believe are essential to our welfare. But God is saying, you're looking for completeness and order and stability in things that were never meant to give you completeness, order and stability. uh, As I was preparing, I was thinking about just this picture of uh, young people and their gaming consoles. I was a gamer. I loved the games, but I've learnt that it's not everything. But it's almost like, you know, you've got these young people playing these games uh, and, and you know, their whole world is consumed with it. And this is the essential part of their life for their health and flourishing and well-being. And, you know, they're conquering dragons and slaying monsters and upping in levels and all of that sort of stuff. And you take that away and it's like, what? You've just taken the rug out from underneath me. Now how am I supposed to live a fulfilled life? Um, and, and it's amazing. It's like, just look up. There's a world around you. Um, you can be fulfilled in life, not just through this gaming console. It's almost like God's people are getting a new picture of what it means to, to live in the shalom of God. And so they're to work for the city's benefit and well-being, but then they're also to pray for the city's welfare and, and, and shalom. What is... What does that mean? I, I don't know about you, but when I think about praying for the city, I, I don't know where to start sometimes. I don't know where to go. There was this prayer, this Jewish prayer that uh, in Psalm 122, the, the people of God would pray for Jerusalem. We're not going to d- dive deeply into that, but it gives four categories of how we could pray for our city. And I thought they were really helpful. First is for the economy of the people, for the, the commonwealth of our people, for justice to the poor, for the, um, I I guess, the infrastructure and the hospital system and all of those things that create this healthy functioning in a city. We can pray for that, the economy. We can pray for the safety of our people. We live in violent times in areas that are often quite violent. Pray against the harm of people. And pray for the safety of people. And also pray for those who are committing crimes and doing wrong things. That they would come to their senses and realize the harm in which they are committing. Thirdly, pray for politics. Pray for our leaders. Pray for the the people in authority making decisions. For our, I guess, our Armadale city. But for our broader city. And for uh, WA and our nation. Pray for our leaders that they would flourish, that they would begin to understand um, who this God is. And fourthly, pray for people. We live in a diverse climate. Uh, Australia, full of diversity, but also in our area, Armadale, very diverse. There's a lot of people, a lot of socioeconomic difference, a lot of ethnic differences, a lot of religious differences. Um, Pray for all people and groups for this harmony and unity uh, between them. And essentially, why pray for them? Why, why pray for people? It's right there in the passage. For in its welfare will be your welfare also. Because a rising tide 
will lift all boats. Classic example of this was uh, my father-in-law set up with a a group of his friends a not-for-profit in Uganda called uh, Hope Builders. And Hope Builders go about building villages uh, for communities uh, where they're taking uh, orphans and widows out of slums and hostile environments and creating these homes. And then they're equipping these young people with skills to set up micro-enterprises and things like that. This area in which they're at in Uganda, when they first started, was a really slummy, poor area. Uh, Ten years later, it's thriving. Prices are soaring. Very safe area to live. And there's a lot of uh, great work that's going into there. But you can see it's kind of like as uh, the economy in that area is going up and and the place to live is becoming better, everyone's desiring it. People are flocking to it. And it's becoming this little... Um, I guess, safe haven inside that broader community. So sometimes you don't see the um, immediate impact that your support and welfare to other people have, but in the end, when you serve other people, when you benefit other people, you're making the world that you live in better for yourself. And that's obviously not the primary motive of a Christian (laughs) to just make your life better, but this is what the passage is talking about. Things get better and you you will also thrive in the service of others. So be normal but different. And then where do we turn? We turn and we have a look at the promise that God gives. In point two, it's the world is broken but God isn't. The world is broken but God isn't. Verse 10 to 14 says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations and all places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now, when this letter was written to the people, I imagine there was a lot of resentment towards God. I imagine there's a lot of, um, I guess, concern and also caution around, I mean, who God is and if he, I guess, they've lost confidence in him. Is he really going to be doing this? You can imagine the exile saying, after all we've been through, how can we trust God? Perhaps to some degree, you might be there right now. Maybe this is your reality. And on top of that, Jeremiah, he comes with this promise of hope in 70 years' time, as we just read. You know, people today can't even wait a week. Um, 70 years? You know, this is written to the elders and the the surviving adults of that that, um, people. People are going to be dying, never seeing this fulfilled. People are going to to be, I guess, leaving uh, this 
earth with this picture of God hasn't restored. He hasn't come through with his promises. He hasn't been faithful. So it's easy to think that God is broken and the world, uh, and the world is broken and God is broken and he's broken his promises and he's been unfaithful to his people. So what are we to make of all of this? How do we take comfort in these promises that God gives? And we can take comfort and encouragement knowing that the world is broken but God isn't. There's five sort of little promises that I'd love to draw out before we finish. The first one is that pain and suffering isn't final. God says, I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you. While there may be temporary suffering, it's, it's not final. It's not the final destination that you are going to be in. Secondly, God has a plan for us. I will visit you and fulfill my promise for I know the plans I have for you. While we don't see the plan, while we don't make the plan, while we aren't in control of history or the plan, God is. And so we can't, whilst we can't often rest in the temporal situation we find ourselves in, we can rest in a God who does have control, who is in control. Thirdly, God's plan is good. Plan for welfare and not for evil. God's plan concerning his people are always good. Always thoughts of blessing. Even when sometimes he's obliged to use his rod, not in a a way of wrath, but like a father correcting his children, He's looking for our temporal and our eternal welfare. There's not a single item of evil in his plans for his people. Fourthly, God hears us. We will call out and he will hear. When we're at our lowest, when we're isolated, lonely, by ourselves. And we're making requests. He hears us. God knows you. He knows your situation. And fifth, God will be with us. There's this picture. I will be found by you. Ultimately, more important than feeling good, having goods, looking good, being successful, having a lot of possessions, being, having high status. More important than all of that, we will be with God. And with God, Revelation 21 says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And I believe that we really underestimate 
we really have a low view of what that time will be like, how good God will be in this time, how special and fresh and new and exciting it will be just with God. And how is all of this possible? It's only by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. The overarching message of the Bible is not, is, is not humans coming 50% of the way or all the way to God trying to seek Him and God coming the other 50 or, or, or whatever. It's the overarching message of the Bible is that God leaving His shalom, leaving His completeness, leaving His complete peace in heaven would come to earth be broken crushed hurt being complete becoming broken being content becoming discontent being at peace becoming distressed god doesn't just want us to work for the welfare of the city he wants to give us that welfare he wants us to be complete at peace and in jesus we are made whole we are complete we have peace with god so in the most horrible situations that we look and go through we continue to do normal things in a different way knowing that in we may experience these horrendous things god will find and work for our welfare and the welfare of others shall we pray Father, I just want to pray for our city, each one of us in this room included. And I just want to thank you that you do promise good things for us, that you do work for our welfare, that you do give us incredible hope for the future despite present suffering. Father, we pray for our city, we pray that the city of Armadale would flourish, that the households and the people in this city would receive and meet you and enter into that peace that you give. We pray for our city leaders. We ask that they would continue to make great decisions on behalf of the people here. We pray for safety in our neighborhoods that those who are perpetrating that they would come to their senses and understand that what they're doing is not creating peace and and working towards wholeness of this community but they need to find satisfaction in you and father i pray for all people in this church that there would be a unity that there would be a love that there would be a peace of relationships but also that that would reflect the community that we live in that the city of armadale with its diversity would be a a family of people whole and restored. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.